from my point of view, and I'm not just saying this because you're on, but this that was my favourite ever property on Grand Designs, and I've watched it from day one because for me that was one of these houses that pushed the boundary on so many levels. What yeah. a Grand Design should be about. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for coming on. Um, we so yeah, we saw see, we saw one of your um, latest projects on Grand Designs, and we uh, we were talking about it in the office actually, and we thought we've got to, we've got to invite you to come on. So thanks for coming on. No worries. My pleasure to be here. No problem. Um, well, so well, the, the the question that we open with just to get the, the you know conversation going, get the, the groundwork put in, is obviously this is the Self Builders podcast. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to know from you, um, and we'll get a bit into the grand design stuff and your journey in a moment, but how would you, how would you define what a self builder is? Someone that builds themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think it's it's sort of somebody that has that sort of desire, I suppose, to make their own mark. I think that's that's it for me. They they sort of want want that that bespoke property, be sort of live it, breathe it, and build it out and have that satisfaction. I suppose. How did you first get into a property? I guess to then getting into into self building. Um, really sort of my main background is sort of professional services and within, within, within that business, we had always sort of had other sort of esoteric investments, i.e. property projects, which we would put money into, et cetera, et cetera. And generally that sort of that asset management piece sort of flows through a little bit in terms of you start seeing obviously what needs to be done in terms of just the, yeah, the nuts and bolts of, of development, what you need to be covering off. And I think from there, that sort of just got the, got the juices flowing a little bit that if ever there was an opportunity that cropped up to do your own sort of self-build house, actually those skills that you acquire in, in the day job, you can sort of transfer over and apply it to your own residential ambitions and go from there, really. You mentioned, um, you mentioned asset management there. Um, and we were talking before we started recording about um, an event that you're going to tomorrow. You seem to wear quite a few hats. Um, yeah, I think, again, it's what comes with the territory of, you know, um, various sorts of business activities. And, um, yeah, it's a, yeah, I'm at, I'm, at, I'm at Donington and I've got, I'm in a sort of a bit, bit of race where I've got to do some, do, do some car stuff tomorrow and, then the day after that, I'm then back in the former house to Fraser's Department Store, which was an extra, and that's being built into a Hotel Indigo, um, which opens next summer. So and I think actually that there was a bit of that on the Brand Design show. Yeah. So that's one fruition. So, yeah, various things going on all the time. So keeps me busy. So what are, what, what are your, your titles, per se? What is it? Give, give me a little bio for the... the... Um... <laughs> I'm so I'm self builder. Yeah, I'm 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 technically I'm technically a 
a tax a tax accountant is what I'm actually professionally sort of um, qualified as. Um, yeah. yeah, but that's as I said, that sort of span off into various things from you know just asset asset management type type roles within within the business. Really awesome. So you've you've you alluded that you've you've done a couple of self builds. Um, what t- tell us about your first one? That's always a learning well, curve, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, the the first one was actually pretty much the one that was on the show in terms of the original house. There was a a it was basically twenty twenty thirteen. Um, I used to cycle up the hill where the where, where where the house house is down the other side on a bit of a summer job for my for my granddad had to put in a reed bed on a former um sort of landfill landfill site um it was for a paper mill down down the road and i don't know if you know, some of you guys will, will, will know what you know gaming basket and reed reed beds need to, how they need to be constructed and it's like prison labor you like literally like <laughs> breaking rocks put them in baskets and it's always sort of an environment agency type thing to basically wash the water that comes off of this the, the formal landfill. And because I've been cycling there every single day in the heat, I had always gone past this sort of not derelict, but you know, like what was a farm labourer's bungalow in the seventies type thing. So I always, even from so I would have been seventeen, eighteen at that time, and I would always had my eye on this. Actually, this hill is really, really, really nuts really close to the centre of Exeter, really close to get yeah, onto the motorway, et cetera. And it, 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 I don't know why it's stuck in my head. And then I saw it come up for sale 2013, so it's sort of just post-credit crunch and things starting to sort of come through. Yeah. And there's a lovely couple owned, owned it and the paddock next to it. Um, and they were, yeah, they were getting older. Um, there's quite a lot of land with it. So I think that management sort of, you know, they got to the point of saying, okay, we want to downsize. So did a deal to buy what was effectively the, the, the old farm laborers bungalow with the paddock beside it. So the first self build was to develop the farm laborers bungalow into, you know, really, really nice place. Um, Hucks and view, um, which we then put in a you know, large, large garage, large annex, pool, cinema rooms, all those sorts of things. That was sort of like the forever house. So that was sort of a, a three-year project. And then so two was, years... Sorry, was that going to be your forever home at that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and did. Then, yeah, I, I noticed you say forever home then, and I'm thinking, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then sort of two years in, it's just sort of, you know, specking up, etc. cetera. Um, the architect said and i'd always had my eye on it we had to change the the access for um huxham view because it's quite dangerous to get back out onto the the main road so we got a change of use to use the paddock access which was on a straighter part of the lane so once you do that and then you draw the driveway in suddenly a paddock doesn't really look like a paddock anymore because it has to be done to modern traffic regs You've got big visibility space and the rest of it. And suddenly you sort of looking and think, well, it looks more like a site. That's when we put in the planning application for Huck Shard, which then um, yeah, went through the process as was Power of 55 back then. So House of Architectural Significance in the countryside. And um, yeah, that went through. So literally just as we finished the first self-build, we went straight into the, the new 
the, 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 the next forever home and, and, and away it went. So yeah, it was uh, quite interesting. So just for people listening, the, we referenced um, Grand Designs a couple of times. It's the It was the first episode of the newest series, yeah. right? Which yeah. was, uh, uh, we're in November uh, 2021 at the moment. Um, so go and check that out if you haven't. Um, how was how was planning permission? Because you, you, you spoke about that then. It, um, it is definitely the, a house of architectural significance. That much is for uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. But I ended up that way, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, again, I suppose I used a lot of what, you know, from a day job in terms of the sort of property asset management, obviously you're always trying to maximise value for, for your funds or whatever. And using what I had sort of learned from there was what was very very beneficial to you know work what is a difficult planning application you know it's it, it is open countryside although it's in like a little hamlet you know there's still a lot to be done lots to be thought about and you know it's it, it's always very political and you know you're always faced with those sort of large large fee for this and fee for that so you sort of decide well okay well what do i you know what 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 do you spend your money on where is you know where where's where's the best place to spend it are you getting the value for money and frankly it's a risk you know you end up you know with that sort of permission it will cost you it will cost you 30 grand minimum and you might lose lose everything you know there's absolutely no no guarantees with it the slight the slight thing that sort of made me a bit more relaxed is we the actual paddock that we built on cost 55 grand. Yeah. Um, we, we worked that on as because it came with the original bungalow. Yeah. So the bit of a bit of a split and we, we acquired that separately. So it was a case of, you know, it wasn't like I had bought a plot for, you know, 700, 800 grand and was hoping to actually, I wasn't really in for much. Yeah. It, it a bit of an easier sort of conversation and frankly there's not a lot of these house of architectural significance in the country because frankly you can't get services or you can't get access so yeah. it was a bit of a bit of a um an opportunity purely because we had the change of access for the existing house that opened everything up and suddenly started removing the the, the normal fundamental barriers you have being access services all those other bits pieces so it, we were sort of able just to really run riot with it and make sure we were ticking the boxes and we actually used the design review panel um which some local authorities do utilize and actually the the road that we, we we're on one side is Exeter city council and the other side is east Devon. we're quite a long way from sidmouth which is where the local authority is based and actually they were trying to really push their planning boundaries and you know show what could be done and by then going through a design review panel which is effectively independent panel of, of of architects it takes away that question of something being architecturally significant because from the planner's point of view the planner says well we're not architects we don't know what's architecturally significant or not so if you take that question away from away from them and i i can't i i i can't tell you how good our planning officer was um lynn schwen from east devon and she came to design review panel really really engaged and it was it was from there really went through three design iterations and three three meetings and started looking at okay what we're looking to achieve what is in the local area 
what should we be trying to do? And you sort of went away from it being a, a hidden house in, you know, a green roof and very hidden sunken in. And, you know, as you might imagine, it might be to, to the guys, you know, the, 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 the reviewing architects on the panel saying, actually, no, be, be brave, re- really push it rather than hide it, go the other way. You know, it's, it, it's an, it's an open part of the, the, the ridge line. Um, you're surrounded by Exmoor, Dartmoor, both sides of extra effectively. Um, you know, let's, let's look at modern interpretation of the tour perhaps. And, and that's how it sort of really, really evolved. And yeah. end result is, um, yeah, really, really, really happy. Awesome. Um, just for our audio listeners, we're, so we're, we're kind of mainly, uh, referencing Hux Shard, um, yeah. which was, um, on, which was what well, the features on Grand Designs. But how how would you describe it? So on the on the show, it was described as like it was like almost like a, a smashed ex- expensive vase, like how there's kind of almost like it's called a shard, isn't it? Huck shard. It's like there's shards of glass made out of zinc, yeah, sticking out of the the ground, kind of connected by glass. Is that about yeah? Best yeah, way to describe it. it? That's yeah. That's that's pretty 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 accurate. I think it's it, it was a modern interpretation of a tour. So you're looking at the granite tours, and you know the show that the show did a piece on on Dartmoor, and you're looking at the sort of tour that sort of just come out of the ground, and it's there, and it's very bold, and you know statement on the landscape, and effectively it's a modern interpretation of that being sharp lines um, in zinc with glass very much sort of there on the ridge line and um somebody's able to inhabit it it's um yeah it's great yeah in, in terms of planning um what did the, re- the local residents think was there much um contest over it was because I'm, I'm guessing those that usually have an issue with those that have been there for a, a lengthy period of time quite sort yeah. of set in their ways and the, very bold very bold yeah our um our our, our direct neighbor actually spoke at the um planning committee in favor for us no so way. He, he, he was very very engaged in the process and to be honest it's always one of those things where if people don't know then that's where the fear comes so prior to the application even going in we got sort of everybody around and architect did a bit of a presentation you know this wasn't this wasn't for the plans or for anyone's benefit other than for us to say to everybody, look, this is what's happening. You know, got some bottles of wine going. That always tends to yeah. re- <laughs> a little bit, you know, a few nibbles and, you know, architect did a presentation around the street, said, look, this is what it looks like. This is what the sight lines are. You know, this isn't going to get in any, anybody's way. And frankly, you have a bit of a conversation about, look, you know, we're sort of going for something that's going to be a, a major statement. Hopefully it all works through fundamentally it, it, it sort of it, it delivers a new benchmark for everybody in terms of values and all the rest of it it should actually benefit everybody's property price you know you know guys it's it's you know open and honest this is what's happening we think it benefits everybody and and everybody agreed and you know made sure that you know our our, our contractors are absolutely brilliant in terms of know disruption and you know keeping the road clean and just all those little things that annoy people and um it's 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 been delivered and you know there's all things like the 
the transformers the needed upgrading so you know we paid we paid i don't know what it was for uh i think it was about 19 grand to have the transformer upgraded which allowed a few other people to be able to plug into the network for outbuildings and the such like just yeah. just little things that just help help and benefit everybody and you know it's um yeah it's just just about communication like like, like with everything you know fear of the unknown but if you know it then it's not so fearful so the the design of the yourself build the hug shard is in, it's incredible um what was kind of like the inspiration for it how did you obviously how, how how did you you and the um architect kind of align and what you know what did you kind of pitch i guess to come up with s- s- such I a such a project the obviously the 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 the, the planning the the planning did did dictate it quite yeah. substantially because you know it has to be of architectural significance so yeah. you have to do what it says on the tin you know it has to be something something pretty spectacular so you know a, a, a sort of a you know modern sort of you know white box you know high end type housing estate was never going to was never going to cut it yeah. like I said. Uh, sort of the, the hidden house they didn't go for so it sort of quite naturally evolves into into what it what it ended up being really yeah. um it's 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 it very very much fits within the setting and as the design iterations continued it actually became quite obvious what should be there yeah it's interesting because it's such a like it's honestly it's cr- crazy it's like so phenomenal the the, the house but it it sounds like it's almost uh, not your hand was forced but almost like you some in my head to build something like that i would have had to have bit like that would have taken me years to like conjure up and you, you know stuff like that and then mm. i'd i'd go after the planning for that but it's almost it like the planning came first and then, yeah. so would you have would you have built something else almost if 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 you didn't get the yeah, if you def- got the planning for it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, the planning, the, the specific planning that it's under is actually based in medieval times. The yeah. very very early planning legislation that's sort of obviously different iterations through through the periods, and effectively, it's exactly what all the manor houses were built under. So at some point, there was a some crazy crazy guy that wanted to build something and he used something that became the manor house and part of that planning as well is that you should be using local you know local local builders and local local trades um to enhance the local environment and the local area so that's why you see a manor house somewhere and there's cottages dotted around and they're the same color they're the same just stone they're the same roofs etc it's exactly the same it's exactly the same legislation from all all way back where some there was a statement house that was built and the local environment the local area sort of followed it a little bit yeah so um yeah it's really really interesting part of the planning that and i'm surprised I, I don't think it is because of, you know, the normal constraints on access and services and all that, that sort of carry on. And, and obviously it's, it, it's necessarily cheap and it's a, it's a big risk, but I think the, um, yeah, the planning authorities 
the planning authorities are definitely starting to take more note of it and the benefits are are very clear with modern technology now things like the you know the carbon negativity and things like that all add to what that planning is pushing for and of course the point is is it's meant to be sort of giving you a bit of a design blueprint for the future and you know stuff that's learned from that house is being used elsewhere you know again part of the planning we have to have local you know educational type architectural studios can come and see what was done and why it was done like that and you know schematics on solar pv and heat pumps and how that then interacts and there's an mvhr system that because the house is on stilts it will draw the cool air from underneath the house and it will gently breeze through the house all the time so you're cooling so it's not air con it's literally just taking the cold air from underneath the house and blowing it through you know during during the summer is it, it was stunning it just keeps at a perfect constant temperature of 20 degrees and it's it's things like that is yeah. it, it's learning experience and it and and, and it makes it, it makes perfect sense so hopefully that sort of group of you know architects to be have learned that they then apply it in the future and it's yeah. exactly the point of it you know you sort of pop, start pushing those boundaries it starts becoming a bit more mainstream and you know the touch touch wood i'm i'm in a i'm in a hotel i'm not sure this is wood but <laughs> one of those it is one of those situations where you look and you think well that's exactly why this legislation is in place yeah. you know it's it works and you know as i said touch wood it's worked perfectly nothing's gone wrong so it's um all good really yeah from, from my point of view and i'm not just saying this because you're on but this that was my favorite ever property on grand designs and i've watched it from day one because for me that was one of these houses that pushed the boundary on so many levels what yeah. a grand design should be about um yeah, no. what was the feedback after the grand designs did you <laughs> <laughs> was it all positive was there a mixture I, I, now look, to, to, to the guys, the, the, the production team at Grand Designs are absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And you know, you have the the, the sort of the, the conversation beforehand, saying, "Look, you know, this is first of the series, the, the new series. People have been waiting. COVID's hit, etc. You know, there's like a lot of pent up, most frustration to watch. You know, watch the first episode of Grand Designs. And yeah. yeah, I think the trending records and all that sort of stuff were." <laughs> Were smashed out of the park and Come on. you know you, as per usual you have your keyboard warriors and everybody's got a view i think i think the birmingham birmingham mail took quite a lot of exception on the fact that there's one house built on a plot and it's all quite it's all quite strange you have these sort of bizarre you know clickbait things almost and you know i don't really take take take, take a lot, lot lot of notice but it's um it was yeah mixed mixed but more from you know other things that were picked out for example the cost of the kitchen you know things like that the problem is is with with a property like that if you're selling it in the future or whatever people expect you know it has to be of a certain you know quality and and actually oh, yeah. frank the appliances and things like that they're, they're so efficient they had to be used as part of the calculations to satisfy the energy consumption and all those sorts of things. So there's a lot of that detail people don't understand and they sort of high level play the 120 grand kitchen. That's, that's outrageous. But actually in the scheme of things, as a percentage of the total build, it was very, very low. Whereas if you're in London, 
you might have your kitchen and bathroom budget will be sort of 30 to 35 percent of your total build it's nowhere near for us so it was a very you know people people you know like like to comment overwhelmingly though it was massively positive i got some really 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 nice messages and to be honest lee similar to what you just said it was grand designs is is you're meant to be pushing at sort of every boundary you can and conceivably you know well, what's conceivably sensible too and you know that's how that, that's how it was approached and it's delivered something that is 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 unique and is acting as a bit of a platform for the future so you know couldn't be happier in terms of the glazing um because none of it is opening um it's it's there not to be seen i guess um what was the the biggest issues, the biggest challenges with the glass? The, I mean, the, the, the sizing was was the fundamental problem. So with those large panels and, of course, the weight that comes with it, a hell of a lot of engineering went, went, went into it. And what we, what we unfortunately found was everybody, everybody was an expert and there wasn't that it, it became quite apparent that um, the guys that were involved originally had sort of crossed their fingers and hoped for the best. So yeah, yeah. what had come from um, the guys at Kite um, Glass was, you know, what they manufactured was, was spectacular. The installation was not. And as it was going through these one, I started to, you know, you have that, that feeling of, that's not that wasn't as described and i'm not too sure why that is and then you know you sort of look in the skip and there was one panel nothing ever got nothing ever got broken but it was one panel that was in the skip and i sort of i then went back through the detail myself and it literally just been wrong size a bit you know there's it'd been measured wrong they just then added a panel on top and then disposed of the panel that was originally wrong so when this was questioned, there was quite a lot of, um, you know, and and I, I, I don't go about things in a way to, you know, spike anybody or whatever. I just wanted to, you know, it's, it was the first phase and it was a learning experience to carry on through phase two, three, and four. There was a, you know, there's a, there's a lot of money involved, et cetera. Yeah. And there was quite a, quite a sort of defensive, oh, it wasn't me, it was this guy, and he did this and he did that. And I was like, okay, well, look, you know, it's okay, as, as, long, as, as long as everybody's aware, don't make the same mistake again, then, you know, nobody means to make a mistake. I haven't got, got a problem with it. And it, it, I don't know, there's clearly some, some other pressures going along and suddenly, you know, weren't quite getting the attention. Um, you know, the guys very much wanted to, you know, push their own PR and all that sort of carry on, but actually the execution just wasn't really there. So I, you know, the, the, the only, the only change that was made on site was to those glazing, glazing guys um, for the second, third and fourth phase. Um, and it absolutely wasn't the installers on site. It was just simply the management. I think they had bitten off more than they could chew. There was quite a few, meetings where they're trying to, you know, where they're going to bring clients to site. And that, that's fine. I haven't got a problem with that at all. But you would sort of expect, um, you know, to be be coming back on things in a timely fashion and as promised. And so, yeah, yeah 
that, that was difficult. Yeah, that that was difficult. The guys that stepped stepped in um, absolutely picked it up and ran with it, and you know, really, really, really achieved you know achieved miracles. And they worked closely alongside RK Doors and RK. Were just in fact, I've had RK back in today. There was a very slight where the where the door had been lifted, how it's made to look like a jarred. The suckers, because it's so heavy, the suckers had lifted and it just slightly pulled the outside panel off the door. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, to be honest, I couldn't even really see, but they they could. And to their absolute credit, they came and removed those and remanufactured them and reinstalled them today. So, you know, it was, you know, a sort of a negative turned into a positive and you know we we, we got to where, where we needed to be really so going into the build was the was glass going to always be like a focal point yeah yeah because of the views and everything you really sort of wanted to pick that up and also frankly as as you know from the morning through to the evening how the sun works within the house is 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 unbelievable there's, there's never the same look um, during the day, it comes through the clerestory windows and obviously the large windows as well, and it it, it interacts with the inside of the property. Like, yeah, it, it, yeah. And of course, I would say it's, but it is it is magnificent. You can sort of sit there, and you know, I'll be tapping around on the laptop, and then suddenly realise I've lost ten minutes because I've been watching a shadow. <laughs> yeah. the, you know, a bit bizarre, really. No, it's it's good. Awesome. Um, you you mentioned obviously. Um, the glass and then obviously like you know the whole the build team and everything like that what's kind of been a big learning curve for you on project management because it's rare that you get to manage a project of this scale so i think you'll you'll have an insight on on project management so my my sort of mantra has always been you know there's there's guys that you know like guys that are professionals and they know they know more than me yeah. and you sort of just give them the space to do what they can do um over interference never tends to work well in my experience and i definitely adopted that um throughout um the main contractor um is a really really good mate of mine as as well phil saunders and he 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 very much you know the, the, the emotional tie to delivering was, you know, he's, you know, he's an absolutely great bloke anyway. And yeah. wanting to deliver that for the family was, you know, his, his overriding objective with that, there, there comes frustrations. And, you know, we, we, we had conversations along the way that, you know, if there wasn't so much emotion, it would have probably been dealt with in a better way. But at the same time, that emotion drives, you know, dr- drives through and you can start seeing that in parts of the project where, you know, for example, there was the, how the flooring, there's an outside drying area yeah. and the, the lines of the tiles inside absolutely follow inside. Yeah. So glass panel and you have the same grout lines all the way through. So it looks like the window isn't there. It just goes straight outside the drying area. And it's things like that, which Phil picked up on and you know wanted to you know, w- w- you know wanted wanted to achieve that you know that that landmark and something he, he would drive by for the rest of his life and say yeah look you know i built that and you know it's 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 you know it's it's almost like a marriage during the build you know that you, you have your <laughs> yeah. own 
fundamentally you still love each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really how that, yeah, that, and, and, and that's how I, yeah, that, that's how I sort of have some hands off management. And, you know, there wasn't, there was emails at two in the morning that I wasn't paying for. You know, I would wake up and Phil had woken up and he'd thought about this, thought about that, dropped on an email. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a massive credit to him and his team and getting them to pull in, pull in the right direction. But, you know, that's, you know, I've got a day job, you know, unfortunately you've got to go to work to actually earn the money to pay for the damn thing. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> what do you do? You know, you know, have a year off and move into a caravan. Well, there's, yeah, there, there's there, there's a different way of doing it, so we, we we did it that way. Are you glad you did do it that way, and you weren't you oh, weren't yeah. as as hands on? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I alluded to earlier that you know the, the sort of rock smashing, gaming in basket environment agency job I did for my granddad. You know, I yeah. was actually I used to do groundworks during the summer because basically, if you do anything near near a drain and there's smells or whatever, basically you 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 make you, you would make money. Yeah. So sort of as a kid, every summer I would you know go and do that. So yeah, I could, I can drive a machine. I've got my I I do actually have my 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 excavator tickets and dumper tickets <laughs> sort of stuff from. Yeah. They were able to, I'm talking like you know. 20 years yeah. ago but i still have that sort of practical and as well just from other other projects on just structurally how things get put together and just some sort of fundamentals i i do know about so you can sort of see stuff going wrong before it's gone wrong almost but yeah the detail you know the guys the, the guys know that detail i don't and you know my job is to sort of be a you know be a decision maker, but and I suppose that's my main sort of piece of advice is if you're self-building, you cannot dilly-dally, really, yeah. really don't aim to make every decision the absolute correct one. If you make 90% of your decisions right, then you've done extremely well and fail fast. If you do make a wrong decision, change it and change it quickly. Don't yeah. try and make it right or anything just literally not nah, got that wrong move on yeah. because failing fast you learn quick yeah it's a simple so you know it's it's yeah unfortunately it's sort of years of years of sort of asset management i suppose sort of drags itself through into your own piece and you sort of learn the best ways to go about it and you know what what achieves and what doesn't really you spoke. You spoke about um, changing, uh, you know, changing decisions and making new decisions and stuff fastly, fastly fast. Um, any self builder that I've spoken to about about deadlines and and things like that, when when you have a deadline in your head, it never quite goes, it never quite goes to plan. Um, your um, your build was um, you started before Brexit and COVID, and then when did you finish? Uh, like, like June, June. So yeah, so, so twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, if you were gonna, if you were gonna build something like that, and somebody said there's gonna be a backdrop of leaving the European Union and yeah. a pandemic, you wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. However, sort of, you know, you deal with the hand you're dealt. Um, you know, as 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 best you can, and. You know the timings did the timings did go out, but when the timings had gone out because the blast factory shut, yeah. there's not a lot you can do about it. Yeah, you know, right. you 
you, you, you can, there's no point beating yourself up or beating a, anyone else else up. It's, there's all there's a circumstance and you just, you just work, you just work around it. The only reason why we, we were sort of done middle of the year and there's, you know, there's still odd bits being, being, being done, done at the minute. The only reason it took that long is because of the Brexit effect coming in. Yeah. Then the European factory shutdowns, you know, the front, you know, the front door, the front door was like nine months late. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, so, so the guys worked around it. You know, there was temporary openings and all that sort of carry on, but there's only so much of that you can do. But luckily, I suppose, because the building is is long, mm. actually, they were able to manage sort of people weren't tripping over each other. Yeah. It was sort of phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four. And that did allow, you know, that, that, that did allow efficient progress to be made. Yeah. You know, without you know, without too much leakage, really. So yeah, it went it went slower, but it didn't cost more, and that's the that's the that's the important, okay, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Um. So another um interesting thing that was mentioned on Grand Designs as well is your your house is the whole thing is smart. Yeah. Um. So tell me a bit about that. What's your favorite kind of? Have you got a favorite kind of gadget or? And how did that affect? the the planning of that of, of the house not the planning permission but like was was that all thought of beforehand and then think or was yeah. it was it put in afterwards no it was, it was all sort of um it was all planned into the um joist system that was yeah. used so because it has some stilts so underneath there's there's a there's effectively a metal a metal shield all the way underneath yeah so you've got metal shields, then you've got the posi joists. So all the posi joists were orientated. So there was effectively cable runs all the way down through the house. Yeah. So that and how the posi joist works, as, as you guys I'm sure know, you've got the metal, the metal web basically in between. So those cables could then divert off into each individual room of yeah. main cable runs. They and they mentioned on they mentioned on the show how how long the cables were do you know how long the cables were because i f- i feel like i might get it wrong it was yeah and i'll get it wrong as well all i know is <laughs> and it was it was shocking to see it all in yeah um and of course but the other massive benefit because the house on stilts again so any servicing is done from underneath the house so you have the metal shield you have the posi joist thing you have the normal yeah the underfloor and the screed and then the tiling on top Everything is serviced from underneath, which may, yeah, which which did mean it could all be put in very, very quickly. Floors go down, etc. And if anything needed to be tweaked, they could go from underneath the house. That also made a hell of a difference the insurance because there's nothing in the walls or the ceilings. So if, if a pipe bursts, it just goes goes underneath the house. It just just drops through the metal shield. That was a, you know, and again, it's, it's things like that you don't necessarily think about from the outset, but we did. We had Hiscops, our mind sure, and they sent down a, 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 an assessor and they looked at it and, you know, suddenly you go from, you know, a significant insurance cost to a normal cost of a four-bed house because there's nothing upstairs that can drip down onto expensive furniture, expensive, yeah. you know, kitchens or whatever. It all just goes underneath. Those guys understood that and... You know, you, you get the benefit. So, so it is those little little things that do make a long term, long term difference. You know, that that bit of additional engineering for 
couple hundred quid, you know, saves a couple grand a year off your insurance bill. And it does, you know, it, it does sort of just add to the, not the enjoyment, but in a perverse sort of way it is because yeah. I don't have any power bills and my insurance doesn't hardly cost me anything. Yeah. So normally you have those, you know, a big place and it's, it, it kicking you every single month. Something yeah. needs to, you, know, you need to replace this or do this or some, yeah, something's leaking. You need to get to a, some wiring. So you've got to cut a hole in your wall and don't have any of that. It's, 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 it's very, very, very low maintenance and very, very low cost. And you know, that, that, that is a big thing for me. Yeah. That was a big thing for me going forward. You know, I see too. You know, I see too many guys that have got a you know, nice big, you know, grade two listed this, that, and that's it. It's, it's absolutely wonderful until yeah. you're freezing and you're trying to get heating oil on a Christmas Eve. Yeah. And you're, you know, it just it, it, that's not for me. I, I, that, that's mentally something I could not, could not, could not deal with, deal with. So that was very much factored into the whole. You know, I suppose I'm saying I'm fundamentally lazy. And I didn't really want any. <laughs> in my life so that's that's what was engineered into the building i'm going completely off at a tangent now there's something that obviously watching grand designs for so long i've always wanted to ask someone who's been on there when kevin always points out something that's gonna go wrong or there's something that he's not happy with like on on yours he, he mentioned something about where the bins were going to be <laughs> 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 how did you take that do you take offense to that or do you appreciate the fact that he's been honest and constructive um it's just a question i've always wanted to ask it's the in like the final scene there's like me like doing a whole gone to the bins type thing and laughing i'm like i'm like i'm laughing and i'm trying to stop laughing and the guys like say don't laugh don't laugh all of that sort of stuff is we chatted through beforehand you know, so it's like, okay, right, let's try and pick something out. And it's a valid point. It yeah, absolutely yeah. was although it's not something that affects affects everything you you do. You know, you have like everybody, you have a, a bin under the sink and it gets filled and when it's at a certain point you just take it outside. The sort of soaking wet, sloppy mess and rough isn't really how life is. No, so it's, no. The bins were put where they were for for, you know, for for a bit of effect and stuff, but I thought what they were actually going to sort of you know have have the focus on, and, and what we were talking about is is the the, the building seventy eight meters long. So if you are in the gym and you you know leave your headphones or whatever, you are literally having like a nine on two hundred meter walk just yeah. to go get. Burns, that is quite a and what it has actually done is it's made it's actually made me quite efficient in my thinking of what i need at any time so i don't have to <laughs> walk back find something it's a bit of a weird bit of a weird, weird weird thing but yeah i think it definitely has made me think think before i act a bit more that's interesting <laughs> yeah, grab, grab towel before you leave don't, yeah. it's that sort of thing is there is there anything else that pops up kind of like hindsight wise? Is there is there any even like planning phases or anything like that? Is there anything that you would almost change? Not obviously you wouldn't change it, but anything that you would do differently if you were to do this part two? If if 
if I was going to do it again, what I'd probably probably looked at l- looked at more is um, potentially the, the other methods of build. One of the big factors within Phase One was um, they wanted to manufacture the glue lamb off site, bring it on site, drop it straight in, and be nice and easy. Yeah. What is the glue lamb manufacturers weren't necessarily talking to the engineers enough. So the bracketry is, I mean, it's basically you've made a massive scale on top of the hill. So the wind loading was as bad as it could possibly be. You know, you're talking like skyscraper level of engineering out those those, those forces. Yeah. So the bracketry ended up being very, very, very large and complex. And the fixing became larger and complex. That came quite late on so the glue lamp had been ordered so we knew exactly what was required it was then to confirm the bracketry how the brackets then attached themselves to the glue lamp that was a mismatch so when the glue lamp arrived it was all pre-drilled so you effectively you had these massive brackets with you know like 32 holes with bolts in them yeah. to line with a piece of glue lamp with 32 holes in it. and that's all great until it was, you know, a bit of a misty morning. Tiny bit of moisture gets into the glue lamp. All it's got to do is go out like that, and it's like that for 32 volts. Yeah. So, came an impossible. So that that was that was an early frustration. Um, that really, in my, you know, it, it, it was is quite obvious now. But actually, at that stage, you know, the everyone's saying, hey, no, no, that's fine. We can do this. It'd be really efficient. We can. That will. That that will be fine. That will be fine. That will be fine. And and it wasn't. But it got changed later phases, so you know, all okay in the end. But yeah, that 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 was that. You know, just just trying to get the, just trying to get all those different parties to to communicate efficiently would be the um, would be the biggest bit of advice. And that can only come from large roundtable meetings. And you know, sometimes you sit there and you've got you know, the engineer, the architect, interior designer, this this person, this person, this person. You're sort of adding up all those hourly, hourly charge-out rates and it yeah. it does get a bit of a, whoa, we haven't even built anything yet and, <laughs> you know, it cost me, you know, a couple of grand. Are we any further forward? Well, actually, the answer is, yeah, you just don't see it yet. Yeah. So, possibly a bit more patience at that point would have would, would have been useful, but, you know, it was all right in the end. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the, the thing, isn't it, for most self-builders to say spend more money at the offset to make sure yeah everything's lined up everyone's and i guess the keywords communicating not many people want to do that they want to see stuff they want to the whole glamour of it oh we've we've got a roof on or we've got some walls up we've got some windows in yeah yeah and, but then and, the issues come because they haven't planned it properly yeah yeah and and you get the you know at the same time you've then got you know the missus is looking at bathrooms and kitchens and how much is that going to cost how much in the back of your head you're sort of doing your thumbs and thinking am i really getting am i really getting a couple grand's value here because this meeting it's either this meeting or you know a double vanity unit in the (laughs) you you end up having that sort of fight internal fight with yourself but but then at the same time that 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 glue lamb example I'm sure there would have been something else yeah. that would have pro- would have all been trial by error anyway. So, you know, but, you know, you can only just try and manage with what's in front of you. And 
you know, as I said, all well in the end, so can't really complain. Guess that guess that wraps it up, gosh. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. Thanks for coming on. Um yeah, I mean, yeah, totally an incredible build that you've done. Um Drekken you'll ever go again. Uh there is a there is still a plot of land in between the first one and the second one. Um so yeah, the plan <laughs> The plans are just being done at the minute, so Gosh. yeah, that will. I'll be kicking off in the uh, in the new year. My goodness, I have to have you back for a part two. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Um, if if people want to kind of find out a bit more about you, where can they do that? And uh, where are you? <laughs> um, sort of. I try and keep my head down a little bit. Um, Daily Mail comment section. Try that. Daily Mail comment <laughs> section. <or what? laughs> What about what about um, paddle up? You're at, you're at an event that you're going to tomorrow, right? What's the event tomorrow? Yeah, that's a, that's that, that that's a, that's at Donington. I I do um I do quite a lot of motor racing. I just did the uh, just did the Caterham Championship this year, so cool. I sort of my, I do have a big love of love of cars. So my sort of car business is um yeah paddleup.com. You see that's you know big sort of um, supercar online auction um, facility and yeah, big physical presence. So, so we do a lot of events around that. So, um, yeah, if anybody's sort of desperate to try and catch me, I'm generally around at those sorts of events, really. Great. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, incredible build. So thanks yeah, it's so been much. a pleasure. Thank you. No worries. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.